Everybody, welcome back to another episode of Unwise Girls. I'm your host, Jacqueline. And I'm your other host, Jane. And we're your favorite podcast, all about Rick Riordan's funny little books. How you doing today, Janie? <sighs> we've been we've been working on the chapter summaries for this week, and it has been an ordeal. It's been a cromulent festival. <laughs> Between Rick Riordan, my ex-wife, and the tenant from hell. <laughs> Janie needs drinky. <laughs> uh, how are you today? You know, I'm okay. It's my day off. I'm just living life. Yeah. I have a job now, everyone. I'm sorry. But also congratulations. Thank you. I work at for minimum wage. But let's get out of the realm of the real world and into the realm of the the, the fantasy world, which is takes place in the real world also. Urban fantasy. The best kind. Probably. The best kind. Actually, definitely not. So today we're reading the next few chapters of The Red Pyramid, uh, first book of the King Chronicles. Uh, recently, or not recently, but like recently re-announced, it's like reconfirmed, already confirmed, but just a reminder, uh, that it will be adapted for Netflix. Wait, what? Yeah, The King Chronicles is uh, being made into a Netflix show. Oh, oh yeah, no, I remember hearing about this like ages ago. Yeah. Like, huh. I could see it. I can, yeah, I can I can see this being one of those series that's under budgeted, runs for one season, and then gets cancelled. <laughs> I feel like I heard that it was going to be like three movies or something. Oh, okay. I feel like we're past the age where like it's generally seen as a good thing for a, a book to get a movie adaptation. I Is that true? Dune just came out and people like that. Uh, you know what? That's a good point. But I feel like in general, like it seems to be much more desirable at the minute to get a TV show. Okay. I get you, yeah. I mean, TV shows are the big thing right now. Everyone loves them. Everyone eats them. Everyone's eating those prestige TV shows. Yeah. Uh, but speaking of prestige, let's talk about uh, some prestigious bloodlines as we uh, enter uh, the summaries. Jane, hit, hit us yeah. with the summaries. Chapter 5, We Meet the Monkey. Amos, Sadie, Muffin, and Carter board the reed boat in the Thames, which sails into a dark fog full of eldritch whispers. Only a few minutes later, it emerges on the East River in Brooklyn, drawing up beside an abandoned factory with a magically concealed mansion atop it. Sadie points out that, like her grandparents, Amos lives on the east side of the river, and Amos explains it's an ancient Egyptian superstition. They come ashore, and Amos welcomes them to the 21st Gnome, Gnomes being the districts that ancient Egypt was divided into, now expanded globally to 360. He leads Carter and Sadie to the front door and invites Carter to open it. Instinctually, Carter raises his hand, and the door slides up to let them in. As they enter, Muffin screeches and yowls until Amos invites her in properly. The inside of the house is a mixture of modern luxury and ancient Egyptian decor and artifacts. There's also a statue of a man with the head of a crane carrying a symbol which Sadie identifies as Per Ankh or House of Life. Amos explains that this is the only god still allowed into the House of Life, Thoth, the Egyptian god of writing and knowledge and founder of the House of Life itself. 
Apparently, Amos is the only member left in the 21st Gnome apart from Sadie and Carter. Amos then has Khufu, his baboon butler who loves the LA Lakers, lead the kids to their rooms, but not before taking Julius's work bag from Carter. Carter and Sadie's rooms are similarly, are similarly luxurious, complete with their favourite foods, but the doors and windows are locked, and Carter and Sadie can only talk through the wall. They're both overwhelmed by the day's events, but Carter tries to comfort Sadie, who admits to missing their dad, and both of them accept that magic is real. Before he goes to bed, Carter notices an Egyptian ivory headrest on his bed, which seems uncomfortable, so he dumps it on the floor. This turns out to be a mistake. Chapter 6 Breakfast with a Crocodile In his sleep, Carter astrally projects in the form of a golden bird to Phoenix, Arizona, where he sees the fiery man who attacked their father with some demonic subordinates. Carter hears a lot. The fiery man is apparently without a permanent host, planning how to manipulate the other gods released from the Rosetta Stone, and preparing to destroy everything in a great storm and build a new site of worship just for him as a birthday present to himself. Finally, he orders his underlings to send Longnecks to capture the Cain twins, and Carter wakes up. He almost breaks down, but a strong voice inside him tells him to keep it together. He goes downstairs in the Egyptian peasant-style clothes that were provided in his room, and on his way down he thinks about his relationship with his dad. Downstairs, Carter sees Amos and Sadie having breakfast on the terrace, while an albino crocodile named Philip of Macedonia swims in the pool. Amos explains that the Egyptian gods are real, and Julius accidentally summoned five of them. Apparently, Julius and their mother Ruby were both powerful magicians of prestigious and ancient bloodlines, and Julius was trying to use the power of Osiris to bring Ruby back from the dead, despite the fact that modern magicians don't worship the Egyptian gods, but instead work to keep them contained. Apparently, fucking this up once was how Ruby died, and that got him a banishment from the House of Life, who also eventually separated the siblings lest they grow too powerful together. The two who followed them to the museum in London were magicians of the house as well. Amos plans to train them, and Carter tells him about his dream, which he apparently had because sleeping let him drift into the Duat, the Egyptian afterlife and realm of the gods, which is also how their boat travels so fast. However, Amos advises Carter not to do it again, because the Duat is dangerous. Amos decides to head to Phoenix to check things out, claiming he'll be back by sunset, and leaves the two alone with an ominous warning to not open the doors for anyone, and not to go in the library. According to him, Muffin will, somehow, protect them. Chapter 7, I Drop a Little Man on His Head Sadie immediately abuses some of the magic Amos taught her to break into the library, which Carter goes along with reluctantly. The magic takes a lot out of her, Sadie feels like she hasn't eaten in weeks. Rather than being full of books, the library is full of artifacts and scrolls, with Julius's work bag in the middle. There's a statue in each corner. Carter and Sadie fish in the work bag and find a living wax figurine called Doughboy, who's a portable repository of knowledge. He also hates Julius and wants to escape and be free, but he can't because his legs have been cut off. He's very unhelpful and turns back into wax without answering any questions. They resort to sorting through the scrolls, and discover a family tree that seems to show that they're descended from pharaohs, although neither of them really want to process that right now, so they just move on. Sadie also admits that she wants to get her dad back and help him bring her mum back too, even though she knows it's hopeless. Eventually, they find a scroll detailing the birth of five powerful Egyptian gods, children of the sky goddess Nut. They were each born on one of the last five days of the year, meaning that the Red Lord's birthday is going to be soon, 
which is concerning given that he said he would destroy America as a birthday present to himself. Suddenly, a crash comes from the other room, and the two run out to investigate it. Chapter 8. Muffin plays with knives. Carter, Sadie, Muffin, and Khufu see two long-necked monsters out on the terrace, fighting Philip of Macedonia. Philip puts up a valiant fight, but is quickly defeated, leaving the two monsters to break into the house. While Khufu tries to fight them off, he's also put down, leaving only the canes and their cat. Sadie remembers that Amos said Muffin would protect them, so she tosses her at the enemies. The cat lets out a blast of hot, sandy air, knocking everyone back, and transforms into a woman, with a pair of daggers that she uses to quickly dispatch the enemies. She then asks Sadie to open a door to the Duart, which she can't do, so she declares that she and her two humans need to find an obelisk with enough power to make one. They head off to Central Park to find one, but not before Muffin introduces herself as Bast, the Egyptian cat goddess. So, what did you think of these chapters? Okay, so these chapters were full of, you know, we're learning about the world, we're learning, 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 learning. Mm-hmm. There, all, all sorts of stuff is entering our minds. And, you know, I'm, I'm happy for that. I know last week we were kind of like, oh, what's, what's going on? I don't get it. <laughs> um, but I, I feel like in the process of learning, I have become more confused. Yeah, I, okay, I'm, I'm glad you agree. Because I was worried that my like opinion of these chapters had been somewhat colored by having to summarize them. I think like I, I I think that like honestly, I have certain like biases like or not biases but like there are like this feels like hmm is this really the way this is going like I'm not sure is this is like so basic I don't know what are your feelings <laughs> I I have I have a lot of feelings I feel like. One of the main problems this is suffering from is that we are like simultaneously being introduced to the world and also immediately to the stakes of the story. Mm-hmm. Because like I know I know we keep saying we want to make this legible to people who haven't like uh, listened to our stuff on Percy Jackson. Fuck it, it's fine. <laughs> this is episode thirty six of the podcast or whatever. Yeah, I, if people are jumping on here, then um, more power to you, I guess, but you're going to be confused. Um, but, like, one of the strengths that Lightning Thief had was that, like, we get, we get like, the broad strokes when Percy gets to Camp Half-Blood, and then there is a few chapters of, like, Breathing Room. Mm-hmm. And then we get, like, oh, the Lightning Bolt has been stolen. Okay, shit's fucked. This is what we have to do for the rest of the book. And I feel like, in comparison, we're getting, like, both of those things at the same time here and it feels very overstuffed yeah it's a mile a minute mm-hmm. I, I i i wish there had been like a little bit of time for them to like walk around brooklyn or like yeah just hang out in the mansion for a little bit maybe see more of london i don't know it just it just feels like it's also like rushed it's very rushed. I, I understand the need for it. Sometimes, like, sometimes you do just need to have an exposition dump and get it out of the way. Uh-huh. But it just, it feels, it's confusing to me that it does feel this rushed and this, like, weirdly paced when, like, again, we've seen Rick do this better before. Definitely. I kind of, I'm, I've been thinking about what you've said over and over again about, like, the special way that like sometimes like the lightning thief entered into and like how it was written uh-huh. it was really like kind of an entrancing prose style yeah um 
and I feel like that's largely like this is pretty much entirely non-existent in this book it's not like bad prose by any means it's just like not like at that same like level exactly yeah I, we're eight chapters in and i think the only description that's been really striking to me is the library yeah the library was really good i wanted to point that out um yeah. as like a as one thing that stood out quite a bit because it's like it's it, i can just like fucking see it it's it's got majesty in those pages yeah no it's a really it's a really pretty description it's a very like unique you know obviously it's a big mansion you're expecting this like big room full of like oak bookshelves and like stuff like that but it's so much different than what you're expecting and so pretty in, in amongst that I guess I, I didn't describe it in the summary so it's like well it didn't describe it properly it's like this huge room full of like um like wall racks full of scrolls with like statues and these like really really well described like murals of the gods um there's like one on the ceiling and one on the floor and it seems like the lighting in there is really nice. It's just very good. No, yeah. And, like, I think especially what got me was, like, oh, uh, Gab and Nut. Like, just, like, the, the floor and the ceiling. I was like, oh, that's, like, so, like, simple, but really, like, simple and clean. Simple and clean. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, in, in a very, in the very most... Uh, when you walk dr- away. <laughs> you won't hear house, me say... To Central Park. From some, yeah. Uh, anyway, um, <laughs> I I think that as this um, as these and I don't want to like I don't know psychoanalyze um, as we go farther and farther away from that first kind of like what felt like kind of a passion projecty book. Yeah. Um, or at least like a very like I'm making this because I got some kids, which you know I I I won't say like obviously that does like hey, I got some kids and I like making stuff that would appeal to them is like obviously still such a draw for like what Rick Riordan does. Yeah. Um, But I don't think that's like, it's it's definitely now like, well, now I have to put out more mythology books. Yeah. I I guess we should talk about some of the mythology stuff because that's kind of the vibe I got from some of this. Yeah. Where like the references being made feel very like rote uh-huh i don't i'm not 100 percent sure how to like really put it i the the idea that like the magic system is based around like you know the the power of egypt flowed into these artifacts feels like it's there because it like the premise of the series is rooted in this like pop culture image of egypt as like a place where all these valuable artifacts came from oh definitely as opposed to like the the more living world that we got with um the Greek gods in the Percy Jackson series. And it's a different approach, right? So from that perspective, like I can see why there's that appeal of like, oh well that 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 section of how like magic and gods work is over there. Here we've got different shit. Here our gods aren't like we don't worship them. We we we, we fight them. We we contain them. I don't I don't know if I, I don't like that, you know what I mean? <laughs> I I'm in two minds about it because there is like there is that element to it where it feels like it's rooted in what he found on Wikipedia Uh (laughs) and also some kind of weird implications with like oh the the Egyptian gods are like these savage forces of nature that need to be like fought and beaten back while the Greek gods are like 
I mean, they're assholes, but they're like normal people. But yeah, there's the like other, a. But on the other hand, I mean, the way it's set up does mean that we are immediately going for a very different vibe than the Percy Jackson series. So that I do at least appreciate that. Yeah, no, definitely. I just think there's something weird here with like, I don't know. There's, it's a very surface level reading of yeah. like almost everything so far. It really does kind of feel like, oh, I looked at Wikipedia for a bit. Or like, I read one book maybe. Um, and like, especially the stuff with Set. Set is, um, Set here in uh, the main villain of the book, it appears, um, described, uh, how, how would you describe how, like, uh, set is, uh, t- like, told to us about? Big red CGI dog man. That, that no. cover was surprisingly, uh, oh, no. I mean, like, I mean, yes, <laughs> but also not a dog because that's, there's no specific animal, oh. but. Then my set, my second portal call will be Sauron. <laughs> He's just described as being evil. Oh, I thought you meant physical description. No, 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 no. I mean, like, what? Like, what? Who is this character? Hmm. Yeah. No. He's he's very. He's introduced to us as like the evil, the baddie of Egyptian. I think that's literally like what's said. Like the bad guy from Egyptian mythology. Yeah. Like this is the villain of Egyptian mythology. Yeah. And that's just like not. <laughs> I mean, like, I get it, right? I get how like you would read like some myths, um, and like maybe take that away. He did cut off Osiris's dick. And, like, yeah, but, like, there's... And, like, you know, the, like there's a whole lot of Egyptian myths, like, centered around, like, the conflict between Set and, like, Horus and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. But there... It's, it's I think... um It's, like, the Hades problem again, right? Yeah. It's, like, um... Like, Set is... Oh, Hades is the god of, you know like the afterlife you know the underworld and so he's he's evil it's okay but the hilarious part is that that idea was subverted in percy jackson but it's being played completely straight here yeah and like the he's like okay the thing with set that you need to understand is that he is like um like the god of storms and uh like things that like like not death, but like violence and war and not, not, but like bad things, right? Yeah. He's like, like, uh, I like, I, I, the the ancient Egyptians ascribed to him the things that were like these are the things that cause like negative, negative things yeah. to our daily lives. One of the things he was a uh, god of was foreigners. Oh, I see. Like, if you weren't somebody who like they could easily absorb. If you were a foreigner, if you weren't like, you know, mm-hmm. it's, it's, uh, it's, it's, there's, there's like so much shit going on there. Yeah. But I think it's also like a vast oversimplification to be like, Set is the chaos god of evil and bad things. Because that's like, not how he's like, ultimately positioned to be. Like, he's not just like the fucked up villain. He's like, also the guy who like, kills the snake every morning the snake that's gonna like eat the fucking world uh-huh um he's like the guy he's like you know how they say like oh like you need two sides of the scale to balance a scale they don't say that but you know what i mean yeah i know what you there are tons of phrase based around that he's like supposed to be the side of the scale that's like 
keeping all the like well super positive stuff in check he's not like the villain he's just like part of the order of things the the vibe i'm getting i don't i don't know shit about this but the vibe i'm getting from what you're saying is that he's less satan and more like the grim reaper like, a he's, little bit. he's around all this like fucked up stuff that nobody wants but he doesn't necessarily cause it or he's not like right. doing it on purpose like like i would say that he even would cause it but ultimately it's not because he's a villain it's because that's what like yeah is like that's what keeps like mott like balance going um so the like the world doesn't end um yeah and i think like th- this is just like i and like you said eventually like the Hades problem was like challenged. Um, and so I would may- maybe that's going to be the case here as well. But it just, I, 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 it, it irks me because I do think that like people don't look into Egyptian mythology as much. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, other than that, I don't know. I just think, what do you think of, we got to go back here. We, we've, we've been talking about it since like episode one, Western civilization. Okay, yeah, this this is <laughs> this is very strange. And from both an in and out of universe perspective, the idea that Egypt is a pillar of quote unquote Western civilization, right? Because in universe, that <laughs> does this mean that like Kronos would need to then have like a fist fight with Horus <laughs> after he's destroyed Olympus? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> And then out of universe, it's like, that's not really, like, the, the idea of Western civilization, quote-unquote, is very rooted in, like, Europe and America, basically. Like, right. It's... Egypt certainly has a lot of historical influence over Europe, and then by, by extension, America. But it's not really part of, like, what that idea is. Right. Western civilization definitely, like, traces back as an idea to, like... I don't know, like Greece and Rome. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and also, obviously, to, there's to be, to be clear to reiterate, it's a fake and stupid idea. But like, right, it's right. weird to lump in Egypt with it. And I think like it's just really like why? What is Rick Riordan's fascination with this notion of Western civilization that is so rooted in? I would say like there's a really reoccurring element of like aesthetic fetishization mm-hmm. uh, they're not fetishization but like aesthetic um like a real like interest in like what iconography means and not only that but like this idea that the cradle of western civilization or like not the cradle but the center of it is america yeah and that you can you can use the like what is present in the united states to backtrace what the western civilization is and this still brings like why is like the idea why is the idea that like ancient egypt was obviously super fucking important why does that have to be conflated with and therefore it's like part of quote western civilization yeah that's i mean to a degree i kind of get it like at, at the end of the day old shit that's still around is cool like examining the legacy of that stuff is like interest i went to a castle the other day cuz it, you know, old shit. Interesting. Yeah. But it is framed very strangely. Although I think that there is there is a line in here that I quite liked that um, kind of almost works against that idea a bit. Mm-hmm. 
which was like uh, Amos says um, the ancient Egyptians weren't stupid enough to worship fake gods. Yeah. Which, if this was like a standalone series, that would seem like weird fetishization of the Egyptians. But I think in context as part of a series where like there's multiple polytheistic religions i feel like that line is a very interesting like repudiation of like the ancient aliens mindset oh for sure of, like, yeah oh these these people are all backwards morons and it's giving them a bit of credit and saying like kind of, kind of sub subtextually maybe like the idea that you know they didn't just make these things up out of thin air they were using it as a framework to explain the natural world yeah and it's even like avoiding the problem that could also super easily happen here which is like and with the help of uh, anubis they they built the pyramids like yeah no that would also suck like it was actually you know it was actually the gods who did it not the people like it's it's avoiding that as well Mm -hmm. um which i think is good like i i just think there's there's something to be said about I know, like we we have, I, I there's something to be said about Rick Riordan and Western civilization and his ideas about Western civilization, and I guess I just let's keep an eye on that. Yeah, we we tried to stop ragging on it in Percy Jackson, but I, he's brought it up again apropos of nothing. We have to say something. Yeah, and I think that's also like why some of like the portrayal of like how the gods are treated here is like it kind of chafes against my vibes yeah definitely because because it's like do some fucking i don't know do some fucking research portray like i i get that it's like a kid series right Mm -hmm. um i was looking around like spaces and saw some complaining like about this book specifically being like it's fucked up that they made bast a pet cat named muffin and uh and uh stuff like that and i'm like Uh you know i think there's a degree to which it's like well this is like a kid's book and it's just funny and also the i don't know it doesn't really matter that much yeah but also i do think that i at the same time there's the other side of me that's like i don't know why why do you do the thing with like well they were by the end they cottoned on to the fact that they shouldn't have been worshiping those forces of nature it's strange yeah, definitely. Can I talk about the boat? Uh, yeah. You, uh, <laughs> y- you, your your physics degree. You're going to use your physics degree as My, promised last episode. It's not a degree. It's a D in A level physics, which is significantly less impressive. Yeah, a degree. <laughs> so I, I try. I try to run the numbers on this, but they're they're kind of fudged a lot because there's no hard figures for how much one of these boats would weigh. Uh huh. But basically, it would it would have been traveling to get from uh, London to New York in Sadie says a few minutes, so I just kind of assumed four minutes. Sure. Uh, twenty three thousand uh two hundred and ten meters per second. Wow. Which is like Mark sixty seven. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it it's uh I actually I really like this. Um the idea that the boat just like slipped into the duat and well, like popped up in the That's kind up? of the next thing I wanted to get to because I, I I did that. I also worked out that it had so much kinetic energy that if it hit something it would detonate with a force of two kilograms of TNT. <laughs> but also that's irrelevant because it doesn't travel through physical space. 
uh-huh. it is a fucking spaceship from Warhammer 40,000. Sure. It just rips open a portal to hell and travels through that. Not hell, but it, I, I understand. It's... Okay, but you, the, the parallels to like that and the warp, I feel like... No, it's it's warp travel. It's warp travel. <laughs> yeah. It's Wait, do they actually travel through hell in Warhammer 40k? Oh, yeah, no. Like, the warp is like the, the place they go through, and it is literally just hell. That's pretty fun. Yeah. Uh, uh, speaking, I guess speaking of series with weird kind of... Oh, definitely. Uh, nationalist, like fascist notions of... Things. Oh, it's, it's, um, it's not notions. It's outright. <laughs> anyway. Oh, uh, God. Um, check out the... Oh, maybe... So, okay. So, uh, what's the fucking game? Nico would play Warhammer, probably. Oh, yeah. Mytho Magic. That, I mean, that's got miniatures already. Yeah. Um, but, like, the Duat, traveling into the Duat, um, a lot of the magic stuff was just really cool to me. Like, yeah. the there's this whole thing of, like, oh, who, who's this little, like, steersman? Like guiding the boat and it's just like oh there's just no there's not it's just a pile of clothes that amos takes and like wears it's like yeah it's like specifically amos's clothes right i think so which is like that's like uncanny gothic horror shit yeah the more i like read the more i'm into amos as a character oh interesting he is in my notes written Amos Kane shut the fuck up challenge. <laughs> yeah, but that's just because you were tired of all the exposition. Correct. <laughs> the way the the way that he delivered the exposition though is pretty characterful. Um because he's kind of a fucking asshole. He he really is. I I like the bit where he like that Sadie and Carter remembering like a birthday party where they're like when they were young and their magical powers accidentally went off and blew up a cake. Yeah. And he's just like, ah, yes, I remember. I got a face full of vanilla icing. Very tasty. Yeah, no, the thing is, like, he's kind of an asshole. He's very direct. But it's like, wow, this is already, like, obviously a very different character than, like, Julius. Um, And, like, the way that he is, like, direct, kind of abrasive, like, being like, oh, the, the like, the ancient Egyptians weren't stupid. Like, that's, like, like, the, yeah. the, like that's sentence. Like, there's something there. You know what I mean? There's, like, a meat to his character that's presented there. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I dig that. I like that there's, I like that these chapters are full of exposition, but I think they're still doing a really good job with character work in these early stages. Because they also, not only with Amos, but I don't know, what do you think? Like, I feel like they also do a lot with, like, Carter and Sadie. Yeah, I feel like Sadie in particular has a, like, it's it's very understated, but it's a very good moment where, like, Amos, like, offhandedly mentions, oh, yeah, the House of Life stopped your dad from taking both of you. And she has that fucking double-take moment of, oh, wait, dad actually wanted me. Yeah. Which, like, oh, that's really nice. I, and simultaneously incredibly bittersweet that she's only finding out about this now that he's gone. Yeah, yeah, it's, um... There's a lot, especially in the latter half, um, and, like, I think this does owe a lot to, like, the multiple perspectives here, um, Mm -hmm. because I think characters are being viewed from, like, different angles than they would necessarily if it was just one perspective. Yeah. Um, But, like, we see more of, like, Sadie's internality, how she is, like, really kind of, like, like, has a lot of, like, she wants to have that connection with her dad that she just doesn't have. Oh yeah, there's there's the other thing, 
which is like when they're in the library she mentions that like sometimes she would go into bookstores and look at julius's books yeah which like that's that's really sweet no definitely um and it does kind of not the opposite with carter it does the same thing but it's um it kind of goes into like carter's feelings on like his relationship with his dad the way that like he really like kind of respects his dad for like trying to help him become like i don't know just trying to like live as because like i don't know i think we ended up cutting this out of the summary because it was like over long maybe Mm -hmm. um but like there's another section in here about how like julius gives him the talk about how like as a young black man like he has to like present to the world a certain way or else he will be treated treated like very poorly um yeah or like he will still probably be treated very poorly but like here's a way to mitigate that um yeah i like that that's again like a very subtle moment where like we get that and we get that you know carter is fairly certain his dad's been right about things for most of his life Mm -hmm. and you can kind of see why he's he feels so cut adrift now that his dad has made his first major fuck up and also disappeared like he doesn't know what to do without that direction especially because this is giving him the space to like it's there's like a bubbling underneath kind of every sentence where it's talking about the relationship between carter and his dad where it's like there's this bubbling up feeling of like hey like maybe my relationship with my dad maybe like the ways that it affected me were like a little bit too restrictive mm-hmm. um like it feels like just like a, a slight undercurrent now but i'm really excited to see where that goes in the future i think we, we even see like a chip in the armor um after amos leaves yeah um and carter like makes a crack about feeding sadie to a crocodile because that's what uh-huh. the egyptians used to do like i think that's the first time we've seen him crack a joke no definitely so yeah it's it's i think he's definitely opening up a bit which is nice to see yeah and this is also um clearing up i think last time we were like oh uh like you know one of them's the smart one one of them's the you know the like spirited instinct one and we kind of like we we were like oh it's different from you know our main characters of percy jackson yeah but i think this is really like really like differentiating them because it's like like sadie is also very like she's got like a whip sharpness to her yeah i think the the dichotomy is that she is quick thinking and of carter's more like book bookish yeah carter's bookish which has a lot of drawbacks as well mm-hmm so I think in that way, like, I really do appreciate these chapters for, like, developing the characterizations more. Yeah, definitely. Should should we should we talk about the, the elephant living on the other side of the river? Uh, yeah. So Amos, <laughs> Amos, uh, they're like, oh, wait, you know, you live also on the east side of the river. Like, why, like, and he's like, oh, it's a superstition or, like, it's an ancient Egyptian practice where... They would bury uh, their dead on the west side of the Nile, but uh, and they would live on the east side of the Nile, and so that's we like to keep that because it's like bad practice not to, uh-huh. bad luck, and and so they're like, wait, so is that why you don't live in Manhattan? And he's like, well, they've got they've got other gods to deal with. Uh, <laughs> I I really love this line. Uh huh. Because like that, I think there is a lot that we're gonna probably get into across the course of this series about like the differences in the way that the gods are portrayed and how like the portrayal of the egyptian gods is kind of weird uh-huh but i do really love like the the split between like 
Amos at least like respects the the Egyptian gods as like these forces of nature. And meanwhile, he like he seems to speak about the Greek gods as if they are just like his asshole neighbors. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, it's fun. It's 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 a cute little nod for yeah. like readers who haven't read Percy Jackson. I'll be like, huh, what's going on? You know, like there's so much to this world. But for readers who have read Percy Jackson, they'll they'll smile. You know, they're like, I know what's going on. Those are Percy's yeah. over there. Percy's fighting a war over there. So that was that that one meme of like the cat looking over the little snow fort. You know, the fuck they doing over there? <laughs> That's Amos when Kronos invaded Manhattan. God, when does this take place? I wonder. That's a good question. I don't. Yeah, because I, I know there's the prob- crossover. Yeah, there's crossover. I'm. I'm. I want to guess. Hmm. I guess we'll have to see how long these books like if if they're like separated by years, by months, by days. You know. Hmm. Because right now I'm not really sure, and I'm, I'd be curious to kind of place them in that timeline. Although, sweet, I wanted to like circle back to a point I was gonna make about Set and then forgot to. Okay. Which is that like, he's he's frustrating from a mythological perspective, and also from a narrative perspective, he just feels like we've skipped straight to like Endgame Kronos in the first book. Yeah. Because he's, he's he's got the same plan get an immortal body, destroy America, then then the world. Yeah, and for that reason, I kind of wonder if it isn't like a, like, you know, a sleight of hand. I hope so. Because, yeah, it's exactly the same plan. Um, and, like, this is a shorter series, right? This is three books, not not five books. Although it is three chunkier books than the... the I think on are, average it's still shorter, but, yeah. Um, this, this is... This won't be another, like... This won't be but here by like episode seventy or whatever. Uh-huh. Um, we'll, we'll hopefully be into Heroes of Olympus by then, but we'll yeah. we'll, we'll be sticking around with these for a while. Mm-hmm. But I guess like I'm I'm considering like maybe maybe this is where I'm like oh maybe I'm like you know underestimating Rick. Maybe he has that you know trick up his sleeve where he's like oh you thought that this was so simple that we had just like a really one dimensional narratively like this boring ass villain. But actually, it's something much different. Like that could be interesting. Yeah, I'm. I I feel like he has earned the benefit of the doubt. I'm willing to be surprised. Yeah. I I wonder if we we are maybe having like a potential avenue opened for that other villain already. I I think we're both having the same thought. But what's you you go ahead. Uh, mine is that uh, it might turn out that like the House of Life turns out to be like the series antagonist. Oh okay. As in, like, the other magicians. Yeah, I think that would be really interesting. I, I That was not my guess. Okay. Um, but I, I wonder if it would be more more interesting than my guess, perhaps. Because I feel like they have more, like, personal beef with the Canes. Like, uh-huh. obviously, Set murked Julius, but he yeah. kind of just did that because he was there. It wasn't personal. Yeah. Whereas, like, the, what the House of Life did was fucked up their family yeah like forcing um their grandparents to take custody of sadie like i feel like there there is like a much more personal bitterness there that could really work for like a much longer uh, arc and we've already got like a couple of house of lifers introduced who are like should we fucking kill these kids (laughs) no let's let's kill the kids later you know like it's on the table Definitely. I was going to guess uh, 
Apophis, uh, or uh, Apep, as one might say, uh, the big the big Apophis. snake. What was it? Apophis. Apophis. I know that's how it was always pronounced on Stargate when he was in that. Oh, I, I, I looked it up and it said Apophis. I'll take your word for it then. And also Thoth. So I, I know you looked up that one. Oh no, that, that's just the name of a space station and a thing. <laughs> God, <laughs> of course it is. <laughs> Wait, is that a real space station or another, or another sci-fi one? No, it's it's in the Expanse. Okay, okay. They got they got all sorts of stuff in the Expanse, huh? They, they got uh, their own Amos and their own Thoth. God, um, you know, there's something interesting about Thoth. Uh, do you mind? Uh, let's say a quick diversion. I'm I'm asking you to do this. I'm asking the readers to do this. Huh. Um, yeah, open up, uh, Thoth, T-H-O-T-H on Wikipedia, and, uh, look at how, uh, his name was spelled in, uh, Greek. Um, I mean, I'm looking at Greek, uh, Tout? Uh, no, you're looking at the present- pronunciation. I'll oh. look at the, the Greek letters. <laughs> oh whoa what's this <laughs> oh whoa what's this People, uh listeners presumably you you've also gone to folks wikipedia page and seen uh seen uh that Thoth is uh his in greek it looks like his name is oh whoa <laughs> there there are so many there are so many memes to be had with Thoth. His picture on here does look like a funky little guy as well. Uh, absolutely, fucking he's he's ibis headed, uh, also portrayed as a baboon sometimes, uh, which you know, hmm. Hmm. Um, and uh, <laughs> uh, and his name and people like to do the uh, you know be gone Thoth, uh, <laughs> and also uh, in in like the actual his actual like Egyptian name is a bit more like Jehudi. Um, which is kind of like booty. Um, <laughs> so people like to make jokes about that as well. There, there, there are many memes to be had with Thoth. I see. It, it, it does look like we've pretty much, uh, we've decided that the, the Greek spellings are the most important ones here. Uh, we, we got Thoth, we got Apophis, we got, uh, we got Isis, we got, uh, Set, all that stuff. It's all, all the Greek spellings. House of Owo. House of Owo. Yeah, no, those are the quick diversion. Um, no, it was it was very much worth it. I'm I'm glad. What's uh? Let's circle back to the grandparents really fast. Okay. The the Fausts. They are also said to be a powerful bloodline of uh, magicians, not quite as ancient as the Canes. Uh-huh. Um. Is this implying that Sadie and all of them and Carter and Ruby are all literally related to the ancient to the magician Faust? As in like the one from Doctor Faust? Or is there a different is this a different thing? Faust, the guy who made the deal with the devil? Yeah, from the play. Yeah, yeah. I would assume not, right? Why would you assume not? I <laughs> I mean, Satan, I don't think, appears in Egyptian mythology. <laughs> I mean, they didn't say that she was a powerful, like, she had a powerful bloodline of Egyptian, like... I yes, I suppose that's true. But also that plays from, like, a few hundred years ago. Which is, like, that's not almost as ancient as Egypt. That's, like, pretty old, but nowhere near as old. 
I'm just saying, I think it's it's likely. I see. I think it'd be fun, is what I mean to say. Yeah, I think it might just be like a very on-the-nose reference to just be like, magician. Right, I don't think it's going to be something that's elaborated on <laughs> in the book. Like, I, see, I, don't mean, yeah. I, I don't think there's going to be actually like a, a deal with a devil. Like, you know, I don't think Satan is going to appear. But I just think like maybe that's maybe that's the that's a sly little nod. It's is it? It feels more like a headbutt. <laughs> it's more like a head. It's a it's a sly little headbutt. <laughs> maybe I got okay. I I didn't know who Faust was when I was like twelve, though. I guess. I suppose that's true. Yeah. My proposition for who the villain might ultimately turn out to be was uh, Apophis. Oh yeah, we got sidetracked. You but you were talking about Apophis. Yeah, whatever, Apophis. I'll say Apophis. I'll say Apep, because Apep is the name I usually say. All right. Uh, Apep is, like, actually the villain of Egyptian mythology. Yeah, that tracks. Insofar as uh, he's, like, a giant snake that is, like, trying to do entropy. Mm-hmm. So it's, like, this snake is trying to eat everything and make it all disappear. So maybe... I don't know. This is a possibility. I'm entering the possibility space. Do you reckon? Do you reckon he knows the other snake that eats everything? Arabros? Yorgmundur. Oh, oh, the the guy from Ragnarok. Yeah. The guy from Thor Ragnarok. I don't think he was actually in that. The, well, that's so fucked was, up. I don't think the snake was in that. <laughs> that's so fucked up. Why? Put the I, snake in it. Ah, <laughs> uh, they could be friends. I don't know. I just, I I know that I should be, like, rooting for this series to be its own thing and to, like, not rely on references to previous material. On on the other hand, I can't stop thinking about these things. I mean, it's not previous material, it's forward material. Well, yeah, but also, like, the, the stuff with the, the Greeks. Oh, sure, sure, sure. Like, you, you know, I, I know I shouldn't be, think that it would be fun if they, like, ran into Grover or something in Central Park when they go there. Are you fucking kidding me? That'd be so fun. <laughs> It'd be so funny if they just completely avoided all of New York that's already been explored in Percy Jackson. <laughs> like, not no no Long Island, no Manhattan, no Central Park, no uh, rivers. Like, the, bo- the books are happening, like, simultaneously. They are just, like, coincidentally never in the same place at the same time. God, that'd be so funny. <laughs> yeah, I... I, um, oh, you know, talking about big monsters kind of makes me think, like, I think the thing that I was most, like, thinking about, like, what the gods in this book feel like so far is that they feel like demons. Yeah, they, I mean, I think the word demon is even used to describe, um, Set's henchmen. Yeah, and I I don't think those are supposed to be gods, to be fair. True. Um, but I, I think that, like, the way that, like, demons are often talked about, it's like, you know, you can respect them, you can... You can work with them. You can use them. You can like coerce them, but you can't like. Yeah. But you can't like worship them, which you know, uh, that's up for debate as well, I suppose. But, yeah. <laughs> um, but like I think that's like an interesting depiction because like okay, the thing is that like people like in ancient Egypt would do like they would try and like embody the gods or like coerce the gods in certain ways through like hey we're gonna stop you giving you this offering if you don't fucking make it start raining uh you know that kind of thing we're gonna stop giving you offerings of sperm 
you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, no, not November. Yeah. <laughs> Happy No, not November. Jane, how's your straight going? <laughs> I, I, I just do feel like, especially with the presence of, like, actual demons in here, which, like, her, you know, like, there, there were, like, the division is, like, oh, in Egyptian mythology, there are, like, the Netjeru, who are, like, the gods and then they're like the net jerry who are like godlike spirits and monsters and shit who would like if you went to the dua and you weren't like practiced or prepared who would just like fucking eat you yeah it's so like that's fair and fine i just think it's weird that the gods are portrayed that way and i'm gonna i mean again set is described literally like fucking sauron and the big the big intimidating silhouette and the giant fiery background right which he, he oh shit he's described as like the the way that hades was done in uh the first oh movie oh my god you're right <laughs> like not exactly but like no same he, energy though i kind of like the idea like if he was literally just like a walking silhouette which i guess he kind of is at this point like right yeah but like i i, I think maybe we're relying a bit too much on the like the fiery the like the dog man thing cgi dog man the cgi dog man um, but I think the, like, I, I really do, like, I'm into the fiery outline with the different faces. I think that's pretty cool. Um, uh, I, I almost, I wish that you hadn't gotten a name so quickly. Cause I was, I was going to propose a bit where like Carter always refers to him as the fiery dude and Sadie uh-huh. always refers to him as the fiery bloke. Uh huh. And I was going to say that we should exclusively refer to him that way until he gets a name. Like I, I like, take fiery bloke, you take fiery dude. God, that'd be so fucking funny. <laughs> but my hopes were dashed by Rick Riordan. Sad. I mean, we can still do that. We'd be like, oh, that's set, dude. Oh, that's set, bloke. <laughs> it's up to us. It's true. Jane, what do you think of this framing device? I uh, Thank you for asking me that so naturally. Yeah. <laughs> I, I still really don't like this. I feel like... Yeah. Every time there is a strong, like, the, like the moment where Sadie admits to reading her dad's books, I'm reading that and I'm thinking, this is good character building material for Sadie. But also, I do not get the impression that she would ever say this out loud in front of her brother. Yeah, it's... It's not a pervasive... It's not like... It is a pervasive problem. It's not a huge thing. It's not like book ruining. But it is something that is in the back of your mind in every single scene. Uh-huh. Not helped by the fact that, like, we keep getting the comedic little interjections that take you out of it and remind you that that's what this is. Right. And, like, some of the inter- interjections are like, oh, that's cute, you know, that's fun. Mm-hmm. It just does, like, I, I basically agree. It it feels weird. Like, I don't know. I, I think my theory is still, like, Rick wanted to justify itself, justify it. Maybe there will be, like, some big change in, like, their emotional relationship. Like, And it's like, oh, okay. This all makes sense. I, I'm okay with it all. But, like, but like by the indications end, we've gotten from those interjections is that it's still very much a, like, you know, they care about each other, but they're also ribbing each other the <clears> whole time. Yeah. Yeah. No, it, it's weird. I think. I, I, this, this kind of plays into another thing, which is, like, we get our first, like, exposition dream. Oh, yeah. First one of the series. It only took six chapters for another one to appear. Uh huh. Well, that's hey. That's uh. They held off longer than Lightning Thief. True. Um. But like, I was just thinking like you could like take advantage of the framing device, and have like 
instead of I know it would require some reshuffling of like events to make it like add up properly. But the idea of like I don't know maybe having like Seth's voice come in on the recording. Ooh. But to like communicate that stuff and also like make it kind of creepy and add to the present day threat that they've got. Because we got we we hear from the two of them that they're like running from someone while also improving the entire like exposition speech into the recorder. Uh huh. But I feel like it would it would work to take advantage of that and also add a little bit of threat and urgency to that like present day thing that's going on. Okay. Yeah. Hey, you know, unless Set is defeated by the end of this and they're that's running true. from like the House of Life, which is what I hope happens. Yeah. Yeah. We'll see how it goes. We'll see. I'm hoping that we either like catch up to the present at some point in this book, or that it's dropped in subsequent books. Yeah, yeah. Um, let's wrap. Let's start. Yeah, we can we can hit a few more things. Um, I, the action was fine. It, yeah, it was just kind of nothing. Uh, it, Philip died, I guess. Rip. I don't think so. I don't know. It, Philip's gonna have a big return. It's not going to be big, though, because we only knew him for, like, two chapters and then he fucking died. He's a cute alligator. I... Philip is cute in theory, but in practice, I do not care. Fuck you. (laughs) I don't know, it's just... Both both he and uh, Kufut felt like they were both, like, quirky for the sake of being quirky. I I, Yeah, I get it. Philip of Macedonia, the alligator. Why is he called that? that? I have no idea. It might be Macedonia... I, I, I said think it's Macedonia. I said it Ma- Macedonia during the summary, so I should just commit now, even if I'm wrong. Okay, that's a good <laughs> way to live your life. <laughs> yeah, like that, and like, oh, the the baboon only eats things that end with an O, so he's eating a flamingo. Maybe it's like super plot important. Uh, it maybe it is, but also I'm very aware of the fact that these were written like what 2010. Oh, you think this is a little XD random? I think it's a little bit lol XD random. I think it's okay. Maybe a bit early to be like playing into Tumblr fandom culture. Yes, because I think the shit would play. This would play very well with that crowd. Uh, uh, there are no ships yet. That's true. That's a good point. Yeah, I, 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 from a very serious perspective, I don't think like just like funny and like I think people would like the funny animals. Um, but I don't think they would be, like, big hits. Like, they would be sleeper hits, which is, like, what they should be because they're important. Uh-huh. I, you know, I, Bass seems cool so far, I guess. Uh, uh, leopard print bodysuit, I guess. Yeah, Jane, Jane's a fan. Um, <laughs> yeah, I actually did want to say, I, I can tolerate this dream pretty well because it has, like, a fucking, like, setup and payoff. Or at least the setup. And so far as, like, it doesn't just appear out of nowhere. It's like, oh, there's this ivory headrest. Yeah, I, I suppose, like, Carter now has, like, an exposition dream-proof pillow that he can use to make sure that and, he's not getting eight of these a night like Percy was. And thank God. Wait, was Percy just traveling through the duot? <laughs> uh, what else? We we did find out that it was uh it was uh, a larger force and not uh, simpler racism that uh, separated Carter and Sadie. Yeah, this although was... <laughs> I guess I guess that the grandparents weren't just dusty old British racists, although probably also still are. Probably also still are. Oh, Doughboy. Oh, I like Doughboy. I Doughboy is 
being kept against his will. Uh huh. And when he tried to escape, Julius cut off his legs. Yeah, that's so fucked up. <laughs> well, no, bit, it's a bit fucked. Let, let's let's clarify for the readers. Julius didn't cut his legs off when he tried to run away. He never gave him legs, so he could never run away. I think that might be worse. Yes. <laughs> I do. I do like this scene because it has like it has an interesting little bit of like actual Egyptian mythological trivia that I didn't know. Yeah. Which was like, why are they always drawn like um, walking sideways? Uh huh. And it's because oh, they they place a lot of um, a lot of value on like the idea of images, and like the the idea that if you didn't draw yourself with all these, you wouldn't go to the afterlife with your limbs. And right after we get this like idea of the cultural significance of images, we get like, oh, this thing comes to life, and if it takes form, it'll try to kill a person. Like this tiny form of a person. Right, they can't make it fully a person, or else it'll become a person and then fuck you up. Um, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I do, I agree. This is like one of the parts where I'm really into like the magic side of things, all that. It, it, and it's like, I feel like it ties really elegantly into like actual Egyptian stuff. My my only qualm uh-huh. is that I, it's Harry Potter's fault. Whenever, whenever I see any any kind of character that's even remotely like oh we keep this thing against his will and make it work for us but it's okay it's actually fine i like because that's that's not what the case is here this this is a murderous little shitbag but like, right i don't know i it sets me on edge well right because it's also like not depicted as like perfectly fine necessarily either um but it's also not like this is like a human, like a sentient thing necessarily. Either. Yeah, no, it doesn't. It doesn't seem to be like. Doughboy seems to be quite happy to just like, kill himself? Question mark and turn back into wax until someone reawakens him. Like he, he definitely right. seems to be the same as a human. Right. The the Shabti, uh, they're they're fun little they're fun little elements. I I like them. I yeah. like that one of them just like steals an artifact. <laughs> I think that's very funny. Oh, is that what that? Oh, what's up? I thought the implication was that Amos had gone to a museum and nicked that and put it in his library. No, no, the implication. Was... Okay, yeah, no, no, that is much funnier. Yeah, no, the the Shabti like poofed away, stole it from a museum, and brought it to Carter. Ah, I see. Well, there we go. We were talking last week about is it going to address like the idea of all, all these uh, artifacts that are locked up in museums. Uh, turns out if they need them, they'll just steal them. Which, fair enough. Yeah, and I guess this answers the other question uh, which we seem to have, which was what does an Egyptologist do? Uh, and the answer is that they're wizards. Yeah. <laughs> so, shout out to all our Egyptologists out there. Keep doing keep, magic keep it real keep it magic all right let's wrap it up for today I, th- I yeah i think we've more or less covered everything that isn't just me whinging about amos <laughs> yeah if you'd like to reach the show you can check us on twitter twitter.com slash unwise girls uh links to our discord email uh, if you want to support us we've also got links to our patreon uh you can also leave us five-star review tell a friend on our Patreon, for $1 a month, you become uh, the special role in our Discord of Camp Counselor, which we're going to have to change soon, probably. 
as soon as we learn more about what the fuck the House of Life actually is, probably. Yeah, like, like oh, you're a magician or something like that. <laughs> um, uh, $3 a month, you get the special role of Friend of Dionysus and all of our bonus content, um, including mostly just the bonus show. I don't think there's anything other than a bonus show currently, but it's a good bonus show. It's a good bonus show. We didn't release an episode last week because we were very busy, but uh, in the last episode, we talked about um, Travis McElroy's Doctor Who podcast. That's right. <sighs> expect Homestuck. Expect expect Doctor Who. Expect, I don't know, October's over, but every episode in October, we uh, went oh, yeah. through a horror movie that Jane never saw. Yeah. And for $5 a month, you get all of our bonus content, the special role of Aphrodite's Chosen, and as well, uh, a special thank you at the end of our episodes. That's the only other piece of bonus content. Uh, Speaking of which, this week we'd like to thank Mercy, Veronica Friend, and Erica. Thank you, everyone. Thank you. And as we always say, at the end of every single episode... See you next week, Camp Half-Blood. See you next week, Camp Half-Blood. Bye. Bye.